Welcome, True Believer readers, to another episode of Let's Read Spider-Man, the best podcast to break down hard-hitting dialogues such as, what is this, National Be Cruel to Spiders Week? Here to provide analysis for those lines, and so much more, it's my friend Eddie. How are you today, Eddie? Uh, I'm feeling good. Uh, school is back in session, which is a change for everyone, but, not, you know, it's okay. And I know some people are cruel to spiders, but I think Spider-Man is appreciated several times in these books today, James B. Sure. <laughs> Eddie, today's our last day covering the series of Marvel team-ups. I can't believe I'm sad about this, but I am sad, James B. <laughs> there's there's a long time when I wasn't too sad if Marvel team-ups had to go away, but now I'm sad. I, I like it. It's too bad. I was getting ready to start typing on like Reddit, like, has anyone covered Marvel team-ups in a podcast? Like, And, of course, we know other podcasts have definitely covered particular issues of Marvel team-up. Like, that is unquestionable. Yes. But I thought about it and I thought, Nobody's done all the Marvel team-ups. <laughs> no one has made this decision. It, it says a lot about us, James B. <laughs> and technically, we have not also done all the Marvel team-ups yet. We've done 152. We have five to go. The first of those five is from October of 1984. Stanley presents Marvel Team-Up 146, featuring Spider-Man and Nomad in Hero Worship, written by Kerry Burkett, art by Greg LaRoque, and Mike Esposito. Eddie, there's this little kid, Tony. He wants to join a gang, but he's too little. The gang members try to rough up Peter Parker, but Captain America sidekick Nomad, in his Jack Monroe alter ego, steps in and helps. Later, our little kid, Tony, steals some artwork from Jack Monroe. The heroes are unable to apprehend Tony. The book's real villain, Taskmaster, is getting gangs together to work for a new villain. First appearance, Black Abbott. Black Abbott has a deadly touch power, but Nomad is able to save Spider-Man just in time. The heroes stop the villains who flee and inspire young Tony to be a superhero, not a gang member. Notable moment, Spider-Man catches a sonic arrow, but it was a trick and it triggers a gas trap. See, Spider-Man is appreciated in this book, James. You don't mention it, but at the start of the book, he rips a door off a car that's been an accident, and the ambulance driver's like, ah, oh, you could have saved this guy's life. We so appreciate that. And then he and Nomad inspire a young boy to become a, a hero. So he's, he's being appreciated all over the place here by the general public. Uh, name of the title of the book was Hero Worship, so you're right. There we go. Yes. <laughs> well... Uh, I do have some good news and bad news about Taskmaster. <laughs> He's continuing the plot we saw from the last time we saw Taskmaster, which is great. He's still recruiting for his private criminal academies. I can't believe he hasn't been shut down, but whatever. <laughs> good continuity. The bad news is he's Taskmaster. <laughs> he's a terrible, like, mishmash of... It's too many things. And then I might be able to stand him, but his lexicon, James B., just the way he talks it's it drives me crazy <laughs> terrible leader black habit black abbott on the other hand what a delightful day <laughs> you know eddie you're putting down taskmaster yeah and it reminds me that we did talk about taskmaster back in let's read spider-man 156 and we played a game and uh, we're going to play the exact same game right now. Oh, no. It's time for a segment I like to call, Does Eddie Remember This Character from the MCU? 
Eddie. You know, forty-two episodes ago, you we, know, pla- we played this game, and we revealed to you who Taskmaster was in the MCU. I, I really hope the listeners enjoy this as much as you do, James B. <laughs> do you happen to remember what movie we discussed Taskmaster being in? When we discussed this, you know, forty episodes ago, I also wish I could say that this has just sprung on me sometimes. But sometimes you actually let me know when this is going to happen, and yet I don't try to help myself at all, James B. <laughs> it says in the show notes, "Does Eddie remember this character?" It didn't say which character it was. Well, you might have thought it was the Black Abbot. Who knows? I, but yes, I, I could have researched one of two characters. So. <laughs> Um, no, James B., I did not remember which show, which movie Taskmaster was in. Okay, so, uh, so I'm going to tell you this time, and then you're going to try to remember it. So if I ask you this in 40 episodes, okay, you're okay. All, All right. right. For the second okay. time. I'm not going to forget it. Taskmaster is in Black Widow oh. at the end of the movie. Okay. It's actually a female character in the Black Widow movie. She's like one of the widows. Taskmaster's ability, even though you're just mocking Taskmaster... <laughs> Is that in the comics he can see what other people are doing and sort of mimic them? So he's like, "Oh, yes." He's like, "You can you can cartwheel, I can cartwheel. Oh, you can use karate, I'll use karate." Right. He he can learn it by watching it. He's always like, "Oh, because I watched Iron Fist do this." Yeah. Kick. I love this so. character. I think this character is great. Miss Mishmash. Too, too unfocused for me. I, I'm much more interested in Black Abbott. Yeah, well, I, that's fine. Book, right, well, so he's in the next book. Why don't you do the intro for the next book with your favorite Black Abbott in it? Okay. From November of 1984, Stanley presents Marvel Team-Up 147, featuring Spider-Man and the Human Torch in A Debt Repaid. Written by Carrie Burkett, art by Greg LaRoche, and Mike Esposito. Spider-Man gets involved when two airships are shooting at one another. After the Human Torch saves a falling Spider-Man, the book retells a tale of Spider-Man switching back to his old red and blue costume and how it reminds us also of the torch in Spider-Man's past and the current situation with the Fantastic Four. But then the real story finally begins as Peter Parker knowingly joins an evil science cult to help find his friend Steve Hopkins, while Johnny Storm gets information on the whereabouts of Black Abbott. Everyone ends up at this island base. The Torch gets stunned and brainwashed, while Peter causes an electric feedback to sneak away and turn into Spider-Man. Spider-Man gets Torch angry enough to break the brainwashed spell. The Torch fights all the henchmen and then comes back to save Spider-Man. The Black Abbott is defeated, but his clone escapes with Steve Hopkins. Notable moment it is revealed at the end of the book that there are even more than two Black Abbots. Let's see here. We've got uh, Spider-Man with one of his oldest frenemies, the Human Torch. There's a curious kind of mind-controlled cultish people. Uh, They're building scientific machinery to increase the Black Abbot's mind-control power. Uh, This villain, Black Abbot... You know, after we talked about how Secret Wars was cleverly constructed, now I'm looking at names a lot more closely. I I dig this name. It's a fun name. (laughs) And then Spider-Man saves the day by turning the enemy's machine at himself. 
it's great. We we even know with the cliffhanger that the Black Abbot's actually not defeated and he has some like superpower where he's cloning people and you know I just really enjoyed this book, James B. Uh it could it have taken them 146 Marvel <laughs> team ups to get the formula right? <laughs> Yeah, so there's two Black Abbots, and you know one has one arm and one has two, and that's because in the previous issue, when the Black Abbot was reaching out to touch and and kill Spider-Man by disintegrating him, uh, Nomad threw a reflective shield because the Taskmaster has like right. a clone of of the shield yeah. uh, that Captain America carries. And as the, as he reached out to touch Spider-Man, the shield happened to just be there at that moment, and the energy reverberated back and you know, wiped out his own arm. So now you see there's two of them and the end of the book, there's a whole bunch of them. And we're going to have to find out the story of why there's so many black abbots. And that story should come up in our next book, which is from December of 1984. Stanley presents Marvel team up 148 featuring Spider-Man and Thor in a child shall lead them written by Carrie Burkett by Greg LaRoque and Mike Esposito. Tony is dressed as Nomad. That's right. Remember Hero Worship two books ago? (laughs) Trying to do good when he falls to the floor. Into a secret tunnel. Meanwhile, Spider-Man and Thor confront and question the hospitalized Black Abbot, which Spider-Man defeated last issue. The injured man explains in a story that he is one of 12 Black Apostles under the control of Black Abbot, but then he passes up before he can share much more. Later... Thor gets taken out by seven Black Abbots all at once, but Spider-Man finds little Tony, who shows him the secret tunnel and leads him to Thor. Spider-Man gives Tony instructions how to get the FF and the Avengers to help, but Tony messes up the details and is the only one to come help. Eventually, the heroes win, but the actual Black Abbot himself escapes. Notable moment, although he messed up the details... Tony was able to locate the phone numbers and call the Avengers and the Fantastic Four, despite only being a 10-year-old. It's good to see Tony back. I, I like the continuity here. We're getting Marvel team-ups from two books ago. and <laughs> Yes, well, we know it's very easy. I mean, Black Cat, how many people have contacted Avengers and Fantastic Four like in their scientific <laughs> building? So, <laughs> not too farcical. But uh, I, I know also, I just praised the last book, that it was a really great book for me. Uh, this is another Spider-Man frenemy, Thor here and the black abbot's such a cool guy for me like villain he controls people's minds and turns them into clones of himself and then he gains power from them and that's how he's able to capture thor it's it's a great way that he that that he operates and he has like this teleportation and has thor's hammer actually hit himself to defeat him uh, it's great. And at the end, too, you know, Thor is actually, he's too wounded and Spider-Man has to save him and they work together in a very clever way. This is another no complaints from me, James B. Super impressed with uh, Carrie Bur- uh, Burkett here. Um, I-, I had to go look him up. You want to hear about this guy a little bit, James B? Yeah, let's do it. Yeah. He- so he wrote these three books and I was like, man, uh- <laughs> Why, where did he come from? He was a big writer for DC Comics, actually, for four, four or five years before this. And then he just wrote a couple of Marvel team-ups here and a few. I can't wait for the spectacular Spider-Mans that he's going to write. Uh, and then he completely quit comics. And 
maybe this is why I like this guy. He became a radio host for a classical music program, actually. Oh. <laughs> and that's that's what he did for the rest of his life after 1985, pretty much. So We got to talk about Tony one more time, right? Let's do it. So Spider-Man does a really smart thing. He says, listen, I want you to call these guys and tell them to send help from me. And if they don't believe you, I'll give you some special details that only the Fantastic Four and only the Avengers would know. <laughs> and what does Tony do? He flips the script. He calls Jarvis and he says, how would I know? How else would I know about the secret meeting place? And he's like, young man, Spider-Man has never held secret meetings with the Avengers at the Statue of Liberty or anywhere else. <laughs> because that, of course, is, you know, what he did with the... Fantastic Four. And then he calls. He goes, he didn't believe me. I got to try the Fantastic Four. He's like using a payphone, pushing the buttons. And the woman's like, I'm sorry, sir, but I don't understand your message. There's no record of Spider-Man ever fighting the lava men with the Fantastic Four. I record your call, but I can't give it emergency priority. And he's like, oh, man. But it was just so... Such smart writing. Such smart it was writing. it was super clever and really funny. And the fact that like in the end too, he, he he it made him look like a dumb kid, even though he did like some really you know intelligent things by calling those places. Uh, Thor, it's really nice how Thor like doesn't blame him, and also says like, well, if you hadn't you know, been kidnapped by the Black Abbot, it wouldn't have given us enough time to like save you and destroy the Black Abbot. So he, he's he's not too hard on the kid too. No. You said Thor is a frenemy. I, I know the in the last book we're going to cover today, he definitely is working with his frenemies. I didn't know Thor was really had a problem with Spider-Man. I, I don't think so, but they always have to do the, you know, obligatory hero battle when they see each other. I, I think there's a lot of miscommunication between Spider-Man and Thor. Well, he has no problem with the hero in the next book. And that book is from January of 1985. Stanley presents Marvel Team-Up 149 featuring Spider-Man and Cannonball in The Incandescent Man by Louise Simonson, Brett Blevins, and Mike Esposito. Eddie, my apologies in advance. This was a harder one to shrink down. I tried a couple times, but uh, bear with me. Okay. A body washes up, but it's not dead. It's The Incandescent Man, a monster who sucks electricity from sources to power himself. He electrocutes and absorbs the life from two people. Downtown at Saks, Cannonball buys a very expensive hat for his mom while questioning his place in the New Mutants. Cannonball sees Spider-Man swinging about and comments how lucky Spider-Man is to have no school or money issues. We segue to Peter Parker, who can't sell his latest batch of photos because they're always of Spider-Man. Meanwhile, the incandescent man starts absorbing the energy at Times Square. Cannonball gets involved, so Spider-Man gets some photos of Cannonball in action. Over the next pages, we learn that water can stop the monster, that the government has sent a helicopter to try and capture him, and that keeping Cannonball's mom's hat safe is a major plot point. <laughs> Cannonball and Spider-Man have a heart-to-heart -heart about school and life, including Spider-Man telling Cannonball he'd be glad to have him as a partner, and that Cannonball will make his parents and Professor X proud after these photos are in the front pages of the Bugle. In the end, Spider-Man implies he needs to work out his problems with Aunt May as his priority and destroys his undeveloped prize photographs. <laughs> Notable moment as the hack goes from frame to frame through dangerous situations. At one point, a little dog grabs it and runs off with it. 
It is a major plot point of this book. A cannonball with his goofy ears and his sad eyebrows and his southern drawl make, make him a very lovable and clumsy character. He's regularly like, oh, sorry, I haven't learned how to turn very well. So uh, he's fun to have around. Uh, it's a weird and like kind of campy plot point, the mama's hat that keeps showing up. And, and they talk about mutants... At the end, you felt that Peter Parker has to work out his problems with Aunt May, and that's why he throws the photos in the water? Yep. I I couldn't quite... <laughs> I didn't feel like going back and rereading it all. I thought it had something to do with Cannonball like not wanting his mutant stuff to be published in the Bugle. I think he needs those pictures to be in the paper. Oh, and he says, wow, mom would love it. But then the next thing he says, ah, might get recognized as one of Xavier's students. And with all that anti-mutant feeling in the air now, that could endanger the new mutants and the X-Men alike. Oh, good catch, Eddie. Cannonball, Professor Xavier should be proud to have a student like you. Listen, if he's dumb enough to, to kick you out, you can come work with me anytime. So it was a strange, heavy thing that happened that I was surprised by. Oh, interesting. That's good. I feel a little... Actually, I like that better because I felt it was really strange he was willing to destroy that those pictures Yeah, for, for that reason, so... Well, well, are we on our last book of Marvel team-ups, James B.? Yeah, we are. And it's actually a double size. They went double size on the 150th Marvel team-up, but they went normal size on the 250th Amazing Spider-Man, so go figure. <laughs> Eddie, why don't you go ahead and give us our final intro for our final Marvel team-up? I'd be honored. From February of 1985, Stanley presents a double-sized 150th anniversary last volume one Marvel team-up featuring Spider-Man and the X-Men in Tis Better to Give by Louise Simonson, Greg LaRoche, and Mike Esposito. Yeah, I made sure I put in there it was a volume one because they do bring this back in 12 oh, years. Yeah, interesting. It'll be volume two of Marvel Team Up. But for now, huh. this is the end. Okay. And we are not doing volume two. <laughs> <laughs> All right, James B. Mrs. Muggins is banging on the door, trying to collect rent. Peter, desperate for money for rent and food and Aunt May's present, takes some photos of three young ladies sunbathing on the roof to help their modeling portfolios in exchange for... food also desperate and looking for a present is eddie's favorite x-men villain juggernaut he wants to give his friend black tom cassidy the power to be another juggernaut using the ruby of cytorak he is viewed with this item by the x-men who are working out in the danger room when he gives this ruby to black tom they each end up with half of the juggernaut's power Black Tom is not happy, so there's a small fight between them on the streets of New York until they see Spider-Man, who is taking photos of them. (laughs) Black Tom accepts his power, and the X-Men join into the fray. Rogue absorbs Black Tom's power and then loses it back into the gem. Juggernaut then gets all his power back and tosses the gem into outer space, so it won't happen again. Black Tom thanks Juggernaut for the experience and says he's a good friend. (laughs) Notable moment. Peter's action photos are ruined, but luckily Joe Robbie desperately needs the sunbathing photos of the girls for a heat wave piece in the Daily Bugle. Oh, James B., I love that transition in your summary where you're, 
We're also desperate and looking for a president for <laughs> president's juggernaut. It is super cute that he's like, I gotta find a president for my good buddy, Black Tom. <laughs> I know what it should be because I screwed up, you know, whatever with Madam Web last time we were hanging out. So <laughs> just yep. big old lovable juggernaut. <laughs> Amazing Spider-Man 230. He did screw that up. <laughs> well, it's nice to see Juggernaut and X-Men. These super recognizable characters. I, I also like how Juggernaut like very much references that he hates Spider-Man from when he trapped him in a bunch of concrete. He's like, it took me months to get out of that concrete. So it's, it's good continuity. And, you know, I know I haven't read too much about Juggernaut. And so him going to get this Ruby of Sidorak is a great way to, like, tell juggernaut's backstory while working it into the main story i I thought that was pretty clever actually did you notice that juggernaut they remove his helmet and under his helmet he has another helmet (laughs) yes he's like black tom said this was a good backup for me yeah yes it's like oh he has a regular size head underneath there he didn't have he doesn't have like a juggernaut size shaped head That would have been funny if he had like a like a pancake head underneath his <laughs> juggernaut head. James uh, B. It's time for our final Marvel team up sponsor. Crazy James B. I, I, I want, can't believe how many toys we've uh, had. Maybe it's maybe our sponsor is someone different today. Ooh, okay. Eddie, do you love toys? Well, the Tinkerer has gathered three Marvel team up villains. They're just villains, by the way. To help design the newest line of Marvel team-up action figures. Monster creator Baron Ludwig von Schupp. Spoiler, just, they're just bad guys. The Mad Thinker <laughs> and the Puppet Master, all criminals, have lent their expertise to create toys kids want to play with and collectors like Eddie want to collect. This 20-second set has four figures and a special limited edition numbered premium fifth figure for this classic ending of Marvel Team-Up. You really emphasized how criminals are sponsored us. <laughs> Continue, James B., though. All right, there's one toy from each from each issue, Eddie, so here we go. Okay. From Marvel Team-Up, 146, in his Nomad costume. Oh, it's actually Tony. Oh. <laughs> but that's okay. He's in multiple books, saves the day. Okay. Speak, talks right. to Jarvis. You could have him call Jarvis and say the right thing. From Marvel Team Up 147, friend of Peter Parker, Steve Hopkins in his lab coat. He's a major ESU Mind grad. controlled. <laughs> ESU grad student. Okay, all right. Well, we got to get a Black Abbott in this next one. I love it. From Marvel Abbott. Team Up 148, it's the one armed Black Abbott for you, Eddie. Uh, wow, I'll take him. Wow, okay. He's only got one arm, but that's all right. But you know which one he is. He's like a special one. That's better than just a regular boring one. Okay. That's the one. Okay. All right. Wow. This is already already worth it. From wow. Marvel Team Up 149, Cannonball with his $54.11 hat for his mother. <laughs> it's like carrying him under his arm. <laughs> he's, he's carrying it under his arm. <laughs> and from Marvel Team Up 150, a character who has appeared in The Amazing Spider-Man, The Spectacular Spider-Man, and Marvel Team-Up, probably Eddie's favorite character oh, in all, all right. of them. I can't wait. Mamie Muggins. Hey! <laughs> Complete with her broom. <laughs> swish, swish. Get out of here, Spider-Man. Uh, you know, James B., that's, you know, I, I am an eclectic collector, so... Maybe Muggins, 
it took just like it took Marvel Team Ups 156 books. It may have taken 150 books to get a figure that I really wanted. <laughs> Eddie, if people want to give us their feedback on these figures, including why Steve Hopkins is underrated, how can they reach us? I'd love someone to talk to us about what they thought of our Marvel team up coverage. Uh, you can email us at letsreadspiderman at gmail.com. Or you can find us on Discord by clicking the link in this podcast. And now it's time for the close. I'm James B. Joined by Eddie. And remember, listeners, if you're going to need assistance to save Thor from a powerful supervillain, don't send a 10-year-old boy to contact the Fantastic Four and the Avengers. Goodbye. Bye. He made it through three books. Was he in the second book? I don't think so. No. Uh, no, he just comes back. He comes back to start the third book. That's the whole gimmick. You true. See, you see yeah. Nomad, but it's not Nomad. Nomad. You have no idea. Right. I'm not even going to bother with Nomad. Like, you have no I, idea. I, I was trying to, That's Bucky, right? Uh, in some form? Uh, sure. Yes. Because yeah. <laughs> he says it. Right? He, he says, says it. it. Yeah. And I'm like, oh, oh, okay, all right. Why does he have artwork from <laughs> Steve Rogers? I, Because I... he's Steve Rogers' sidekick at the time. And he's just carrying it around with him. and Yeah, so Nomad, right? So to Steve... take it somewhere? All right, so hold on. So, like, Captain Nobody America is. gets mad at the United States government, and he's like, I'm not going to be Captain America anymore. Oh. So he, so he creates a costume, and he calls himself Nomad because he's, he's, like, he's a man with no country. Oh, I see. So he's got like a three or four issue protest where he wears his nomad costume instead. Oh. And then he goes back to like, okay, now I'm back. But this costume sort of like lingers. And then there's a couple people that are nomad. There's like, there's like a real nomad. And then that guy, I think the first one dies. And then the second one comes, there's like a second nomad, but it's really like not nomad. It's just like a villain pretending for like, pretending to be nomad. Then this is the more popular. This is like the more most known nomad. This guy, had his own book title because everybody gets their own book title at some point, right? Yes. So, yeah. Oh. He's just a guy, though. That's what his Tony okay. said. Tony's like, he's just a guy. Like, yep, he's just a guy. <laughs> That's all he is. Did, did, you, did you see when they first met? Okay, so Tony, like, throws a rock at them <laughs> before yes. he runs away. And then, but Peter, like, knocks around the gang that's trying to jump him or something like that. And then... Did they just decide to go to a movie together as like total strangers? So no, yes, Nomad is like references a movie, and Peter's like, "Oh, I've never seen that movie." And he's like, "Hey, you should go." And I'm think I was thinking, is, P- is Peter paying for this movie? Yeah, he has, right. to have the, he has to have the money for this. Guys. And they're and it looks like they're sharing Twizzlers. Yeah, in the theater. It's and so weird. Did you understand that Nomad is like a man out of time? That he's like from the 50s and he was yes, frozen? Yes, yes. And he seems to make some reference to this or something, Yeah, he's, right? that's why they're watching like a John Wayne movie or something like that. <laughs> yep, that's what you get in Marvel Team Up. <laughs> it's like 10, 10 panels devoted to them going to the movies. <laughs> <laughs>